0: Uh, Lance Carpenter, if you don't know him, he's on our leadership team and um, he's been on hiatus for a while um, in Washington, D.C. doing a a program, a a government program for a while. Um, Secret Ops, right? Highly classified. Nah. No. All right. Just boring. Uh, Just boring. That sounds about like the government. So anyway, so Lance is going to share with us this morning. Thanks, Thanks, Lance.
1: Thanks, Corey. Can everybody hear me okay? Great. We're going to pray again. You know, we're a praying church. Uh, We believe that uh, Jesus is alive. Amen. And we believe that our God is a living God, and He's out there for real, not just some thing, a cloud or an aura. Uh, our God is a living God who has personal relationships with us. So we like to talk with Him. We like to commune with God. So if you would join me just one more time in prayer. Heavenly Father, I thank You for, uh, for this body of believers called Family Bible Church. And I just pray, Lord, that... Uh, we would continue to grow in a meaningful way as individuals and as a corporate body. I pray, Lord, that as we get into your Word today, that it would have meaning, that it would touch our souls and our hearts and our minds in a way that uh, help us to move further in our discipleship walk. I pray, Lord, against any false teaching. I pray that uh, we interpret your Word accurately, we divide it rightly, and that uh, we can take away from here uh, something for us in our lives each and every day. Thank you, Lord, for the opportunity we have to to get together in fellowship and to be in your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay. Um, I'll I'll probably walk around a little bit here. I may sit down if I get tired or something, but um, I I usually don't don't get tired until about two or three hours into the the discussion. So anyway, um, I do have slides. I'm getting into the modern age. And so what I want to talk about this morning is a checklist, a checklist for disciples. Um, so, so why disciples? You know, why is discipleship a big deal? For our church, it's a big deal. Um, we believe that, that our journey is a journey of increasing discipleship, that we come closer and closer to Christ and, and to God the Father and uh, the Holy Spirit in our day-to-day walk. And it's something that's important to us. You know, does God need our efforts, our work? Uh, to accomplish his will, does he? That's a pop quiz. No, he doesn't. He's God. Okay. Sometimes we forget that uh, God is God. He is all powerful. He's uh, everywhere. He's all knowing. He's um, He's able to accomplish his will. However, he delights in using his people to do that. And, and the other thing that that he does by by using us and our efforts, our works, our Uh, ministries and things like that, is that it teaches us, it grows us, it makes us stronger, okay, makes us uh, more God-like. That's that's ultimately what we're trying to to accomplish. Um, He delights in our worship, okay? That's what we were created for. We are created beings, created specific to worship God, okay? We were not created to accomplish what God wants to accomplish. We were created to worship Him. So we kind of need to keep that straight and remember that. The other thing that we need discipleship for is that we need to raise up leadership in the church, okay? The church um, has leadership because we are humans, because we are are, uh, faulty, because we sin, because we are not perfect. We have a leadership construct that we use as governance. Now, we all know that Christ is the head of the church, okay? That is ultimately the truth. Um, And sometimes we get a little bit confused when the other leadership in the church, not Christ, starts to act like they're the head of the church. If that ever happens here, uh, you all have my permission to reprimand us, okay, because we deserve it. Um, But Christ is the head of the church. However, uh, having said that, we do need to raise up leadership. We need to have people who take on ministries, who, who head some of the programs we have, who are in charge of different things. We need to raise that leadership up discipleship is a way that that happens. And if we are not discipling in the church and not raising up leaders, then what happens is people go away. Now, uh, I, think, I think it was last week uh, or maybe the week before, Corey was talking about uh, what was going on in his life and what was happening um, with his career and his, jo- his job and things like that and that he may have to move and, and you know, things like that would, would happen. We're all very thankful that he's not moving Thank you, Corey, Carrie. Appreciate having you guys here. But, inevitably, Corey someday is going to go on. Okay? Um, Dan, who leads our worship ministry, someday is going to go on. Okay? Bill someday is going to go on. So if we're not raising leadership within the body and discipling each other, who is going to fill that void? Okay? So that's another reason for discipleship. That's why we do it. That's why it's important, is to raise up leadership. Um, Not only that, it's God's perfect plan for us. In John 21, 18, and I don't know where it is in these Bibles, um, so you might have to look in the table of contents or something, look it up. But uh, in John 21, 18, it says, Very truly I tell you, when you were younger, you dressed yourself and went where you wanted. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands, and someone else will dress you and lead you where you do not want to go. Now, the person who said that was Jesus, and he was talking to Peter right before Jesus went off to uh, be crucified. And he was talking about Peter's life after, what was going to happen. But it kind of paints a little picture, a little model of what happens for us. We start out our life trying to do everything ourselves, trying to do everything, you know, in our strength, and so on and so forth, and we develop and mature as we become disciples, that changes. Okay? And that's kind of what we're going to talk about today. We're going to talk about a checklist for disciples. Okay, now, if anybody has any questions, feel free to ask, okay? This is a dialogue. This is not, you know, I'm not a one-way conversation spewing stream of consciousness, although it may seem like it. Um, But if you have a question, just ask, you know, it's okay, I'm, I'm willing to engage okay so the checklist checklist for disciples first of all why do we need checklists may know why we have checklists for things any ideas What? it keeps us focused okay it organizes you know organizes our thoughts make sure we don't forget something right you know you you do your checklist Um, basically they make life easier you know checklists just make life easier you can run down the checklist and 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 make sure you got everything covered and boom you get to the end you go ha finished accomplished done um do we ever use checklists for our Christian walk can you think of times when we do that certainly you know we we, we have checklists for things like tithing right you know we're, we're we hear all the time you know yet you make sure you give a certain amount or whatever check the box um, we need to spend time in prayer check the box, we need to spend time in the Word, reading Scripture, put the check in the box, I need to make sure I go to church every Sunday, put a check in the box, Um, you know, I need to make sure that I eat certain foods or don't eat certain foods, depending on your denomination, put a check in the box, okay, you see where I'm going with this, you know, we sometimes live our Christian life as if we're going from one box to the next, okay, and just checking them off. Well, what happens when that's how you're living Christian life? It becomes kind of mindless, right? I mean, it becomes kind of rote. It becomes kind of routine. It can even be a rut, okay? I don't think that's, that's the way it's supposed to be. Um, you know, another, another kind of downside of, of checklist living is that it becomes easy to judge people, okay? Because we take our checklist apply it to other people, and we say, ooh, they didn't check that box, okay, or they're not paying attention to their boxes, you know, they're not going to church every Sunday, or they're not doing this, or they're not doing that. So checklists sometimes make it easy for us to cast judgment on people. That's probably not good, would you agree? Yeah, okay. So that's kind of a a downside to checklists. Frankly, and this is just one man speaking, but I think that sometimes, I don't know what that is. Sorry about it. <laughs> but anyway, I think one of, the, one of the problems is, maybe it means I'm going to say something really important. Nah, I doubt it. Um, you know, I think maybe one of the problems is that checklists cause us to be spiritually and intellectually lazy. Okay, we stop thinking. And, and there are a lot of criticisms applied to Christians sometimes that we are anti-intellectual that we don't like to think about things. Okay? I don't think that's true. I don't think that's accurate. I don't think that's the way it should be. But that, that accusation is sometimes out there. I think that sometimes if we rely on checklists too much, we get spiritually and intellectually lazy. All right? So, I'm thinking about one checklist uh, that was out there for a long time in the Old Testament um, that was used very often to measure and gauge how good of a believer or a Christian or a spiritual person you were. Can we think of one? It's a checklist of about ten things. Ten commandments, okay? And, and the Pharisees took that, that list of ten and, and made it huge. They had 613 checklists on their, on their, our boxes on their checklist. But when you look back at um, Matthew 5 and 6, that's the Sermon on the Mount, Okay, and Jesus had something to say about that checklist. Okay, and and I won't go through the whole thing, but to summarize it, he looked at those checklists and the way we figured we were able to put a check in the box and said, not so fast. Okay, you say that you're not supposed to steal, but if you covet, it's the same thing. So maybe not so fast putting the check in the box. Okay, you say that you're supposed to not commit adultery, but I say if you lust, same thing. Not so fast. Okay, you get my drift? He looked at checklists totally differently than the way we do. And that's kind of where we're going today. Okay, so here's our checklist. And the first item on the checklist is... Ditch the checklist. Okay, get rid of them. We don't need to have... Uh, a list of things that we just do, okay, because that's all action, that's all activity, that's, that's things that you're trying to accomplish, right, by action. Um, we don't need to have checklists like that to be disciples. Okay, so that's the first item on the checklist. Um, and, and the rest of my checklist only has two items, okay? Love the Lord, love others. The little P there... That's supposed to be something else. When we transferred the programs, some magic happened and turned it into a P. Pay no attention to the P. Okay? But that's the other two items on the checklist. Love the Lord, love others. How many have heard about that before? The two greatest commandments, right? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, strength, mind, and, and, and uh, spirit. And then love others as you love yourself. Okay? What we're going to do is take a look at these checklists and, and, and get into them a little bit better. Since they're short... We can spend a little time talking about them. That's another thing about checklists is they kind of condense things down to the, the very basic minimum and you don't really get underneath the hood and see what's, what's behind those items. Okay, one thing to notice, though, is that this checklist, notice that it is relational. Okay, it's not activity. It's not doing things. This is relational. That's the kind of checklist this is. Okay. Okay. Um, there's a scripture I'd like somebody to read, if they, if they don't mind, uh, looking it up. It's uh, 1 John, the New Testament, 4, 7 to 21. It's a little bit long, but it talks about God and love. Okay? Anybody got that? 1 John 4, 7 to 21. Anybody? Okay, hang on, hang on. I'll get you a microphone. Who's got it? Ruby. I want to make sure we can hear you.
0: You dear children are from God and have overcome them because the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. They are from the world and therefore speak from the viewpoint of the world and the world listens to them. We are from God and whoever knows God listens to us. But whoever is not from God does not listen to us. This is how we recognize the spirit of truth and the spirit of falsehood. Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God, because God is love. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might have lived through him. This is the love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. This is how we love, that we live in him and he in us. He has given us of his spirit, and we have seen We have seen and testified that the Father has sent his son, to be the Savior of the world. If anyone acknowledges that Jesus is the Son of God, God lives in them and they in God. And so we know and rely on the love God has for us. God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in them. This is how love is made complete among us so that we will have confidence on the day of judgment in the world we are like Jesus. There is no fear in, in love. But perfect love drives out fear, because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. We love because he first loved us. Whoever claims the love of the love yet hates a brother or sister is a liar. For whoever does not love their brother and sister, whom they have seen, cannot love God, whom they have not seen. And he has given us this command, as anyone who loves God must also love their brother and their sister.
1: Thank you, Ruby. Okay, that was a little long, but frankly, I had a hard time cutting it off at that. I mean, it's some good stuff in there. But it talks a lot about love. talks a lot about God. A couple of key things about that verse that we're going to get into a little bit more specifically here in a bit uh, is three words, God is love, okay? And we need to remember that as we go on through the checklist. God is love. Um, The other thing it talked about was God being in us, us being in God, you know, that kind of thing. We need to keep that in mind as we go along, too. But I wanted to lay the foundation there that God is love. And this is not love like we sometimes allude to it, you know, in our society today. You know what I'm talking about, right? It's a different kind of love. We've we've trashed God's love by, by demeaning it in some ways to some lesser kinds of love. So... We'll talk about that, too. Okay, so ditch the checklist. Formulas. First of all, Christian life is not a list of do's and don'ts. Okay? When I first uh, started thinking about uh, becoming a Christian, that was one of my big concerns. I said, "Ah, I don't want to follow that list of do's and don'ts. It's too restrictive. It's too confining. I don't like it. I got life to live. Anybody else have that same thought? Ever? Okay, anybody have that thought now? you know, maybe. But uh, but Christian life is not a list of do's and don'ts. It's not a series of formulas. You can't take life in Christ and just plug it into a formula. It, it just doesn't work that way. I mean, Jesus did not operate that way. Uh, when it came to healing, um, there were even arguments about the way he actually healed. Okay, if you remember back in Scripture in the New Testament, there was Uh, these two blind guys that got together afterwards and compared notes about how Jesus healed them. Okay? One had Jesus spit on the ground, made mud, put it on his eyes, had to go wash in a certain river. Another guy, Jesus just spit on his eyes and healed him. He washed in the river and healed him. Okay? He didn't do it the same way. It wasn't a formula. Um, Yet, they got together and there were arguments about that. Okay? They kind of lost sight, no pun intended, of the fact that They were healed. That's what mattered. They were healed. How it happened became the issue. Okay, and sometimes that's what we do when we try and take Christian life and plug it into a formula. If I do this, this, and this, I will be doing the right kind of things. Okay, you just need to be careful of that. Again, we talked about the Sermon on the Mount. Um, Does that mean that what we do doesn't matter? No. Certainly what we do matters, but the reason we do it the motivation behind why we do it, that's probably more important than what it is we do, ultimately. And that's kind of what Christ was getting at with the Sermon on the Mount. It, it's, a, it's a heart matter. It's a thing about the heart. It's what's inside that drives you and motivates you that is important to God, not what you ultimately do. Because remember, He doesn't need us to accomplish His will, right? So what we do is not the most important thing. It's what motivates us and drives us and, and, and inspires us to do the things that we do that matter. But what we, what we do still does matter. Okay, so there's a new way. A new way of doing things, not the checklist way. Um, oh, and by the way, the checklist way was very popular in Israel. Okay, remember when the priests went in to offer sacrifices and everything, if you've read all that stuff in the Old Testament... It's a big old checklist. You know, you've got to do things a certain way. You know, you've got to split the dove by the breast, you know, not use metal implements. You know, it's just, it's a big checklist. Okay, there's a popular way. But now there's a new way. Okay, first, in um, Romans 8, 14. I'll give you a little bit of time to find that. If you, if you aren't looking this stuff up and reading it on your own, I would encourage you to do so. Okay? We need to be reading God's Word. I would also encourage you if you have a Bible and you do read it and you see something that's really cool and you like it, write in it. Okay, it is not sacrilegious to write in your Bible. right, it's okay. They'll print more. right, it's not a big deal. But when you do that, if you take notes in the margins, if you highlight, if you underline, if you do those kind of things, when you go back and read it again, it'll refresh your memory of some things that God spoke to you about. So I would encourage you, if you if you have a Bible of your own, go ahead and write it. If you don't have a Bible of your own, take one of these. We'll give it to you. Okay. But I would encourage you write in your Bible. Okay. It makes it personal. It's now between you and God. Remember what kind of checklist that was? Relational. It's a relational checklist. Okay. So go ahead and write in your Bible if you if you feel so inclined. Anyway, Romans 8:14 it says, "For those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God." Ephesians 5, 17 to 18. And I probably should have put all these up here, but I didn't, okay? Um, Ephesians five seventeen to 18. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. Okay, that's talking specifically about God's will. Galatians 5, 4 through 6. You who are trying to be justified by the law have been alienated from Christ. That's kind of like saying, if you're just using checklists, you're losing it, okay? You have fallen away from grace. For though the Spirit was, we eagerly await by faith, righteousness for those we hope. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision has any value. The only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love, okay? So what is this new way? This new way is being filled with the Spirit, being filled with the Holy Spirit. And that is as relational as it gets. Okay? When the Holy Spirit enters into you and to us as believers, it doesn't get any more relational than that. That's going back to what Ruby read about God being in us and us being in God. That's the thing. Okay? That's the new way. The Holy Spirit living in us is the new way to go about living our life in Christ. Okay? We need to be constantly engaged. And part of what we need to do, rather than checklists, is be assessing um, you know, our heart and our motivations behind what it is we're doing. If we're getting ready to take on a big task or we have a big decision to make or something like that, we need to make sure that we're assessing our motivation, checking our heart, making sure that that's right. Okay? All right, Luke 14, 25 to 27. Because large crowds were traveling with Jesus and turning to them. He said, If anyone comes to me and does not hate father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, even their own life, such a person cannot be my disciple. And whoever does not carry their cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. Okay? Some may say, Gee, that sounds kind of contradictory. God is love. Yet here he's telling us if we don't hate our father and our mother and our sister and our brother, even ourselves, we can't be disciples. Does that sound contradictory to you? at first blush it does to me, okay, but we need to understand the nature of God and what God's whole Word is saying to us. Another, another thing we do sometimes as Christians is we take passages or certain scriptures, our favorite scripture or whatever, and we build an entire doctrine around that, okay, without taking it in context with the rest of scripture, okay. It's all of God's Word that matters to us. We can't be taking just pieces and parts of it and building our doctrine around that. We've got to take the whole thing and put it all in context. So when you do that, it makes perfect sense. What Jesus is saying here is that it's a matter of priority, okay? He's not saying literally, go out and hate everybody, then you can be my disciple. That's not what he's saying. He's saying you've got to have a priority, and the priority's got to be love God, love others, right? Okay, it's got to be a priority. If we get that priority mixed up, then we will be falling away from, from Christ and fellowship with Him. So we need to keep that in mind. Okay. Um, so what about direction? You know, we've got this new way, this Holy Spirit thing. What about, how do I know which way to go? How do I know what to do, how to do it, and things like that? Because we are beings who, who do stuff, right? People do stuff. So we need to make sure that we're doing stuff in the right way. So what about this direction? First of all, walking in the Spirit requires faith. Okay, you've got to have faith to begin with. Um, but it also requires walking. Okay, you can't walk in the Spirit by standing still. I mean, that just doesn't work. You know, it's called walking in the Spirit. So you've got to be moving. You've got to be doing something. Um, and, and I allude back to Corey's situation that he shared with us. You know, it's kind of like he had these major, and Corey, I apologize, you didn't know I was going to use you as a case study okay, but I am. But, you know, he's looking at some major decisions in his life. And we've all done this. You know, we've all had big decisions to make, whether it's career, um, marriage, um, you know, naming our kids, whatever. Uh, There are all kinds of big decisions we have to make. And we want to pray about that. And that's all great. We want to pray about it. And we want guidance. We want direction from God. And sometimes we sit there and wait for the direction to come. When in fact, what God desires us to do is to step out in faith, knowing that He's omnipotent, okay, all-powerful. And then if we step out and do something wrong, will He then direct us and guide us? You bet, okay? But I've come to understand or realize, at least in my life, that the ultimate decision that I make is really not that important. God can use whatever we do. Okay, God is all-powerful. Remember, God is God. So sometimes we get all wrapped around the axle about, which decision we make when in fact just making a decision and moving forward is all that it takes. Make a decision, move forward, get going, walk in the spirit. Okay, does that make sense? Blabbering up here? Okay, if I start doing that, somebody in the back wave and go blabbering. All right? I don't wanna do that. Okay. Um so anyway, you need to step out in confidence and confidence that God is God. And he will accomplish his design in spite of us feeble humans, okay? In spite of us feeble humans who are Christians who may make the wrong decision, he will still accomplish his will. Okay, direction comes. It always comes. But frankly, after a while, it becomes less relevant, okay? Because remember, it's about, it's about the heart. It's a heart thing. Okay. Let's talk about love the Lord. First or second item on the checklist after we ditch the checklist. Um, let me read to you from Deuteronomy 6, 1 to 9. And, and I'm reading this because it, it's the verse, the original verse in the Old Testament that talks about loving God. Okay? And I'm reading a lot around it because sometimes we miss the context. So let me read this to you. It says, These are the commands, decrees, and laws the Lord your God directed me to teach you to observe in the land that you are crossing the Jordan to possess. So that you, your children, and their children after them may fear the Lord your God as long as you live by keeping all His decrees and commands that I give you, and so that you may enjoy long life, hear Israel, and be careful to obey, so that I may go well, so that it may go well with you, and that you may increase greatly in a land flowing with milk and honey, just as the Lord, the God of your ancestors, promised you. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And here it is. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road and when you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and your gates. Okay? Okay? So that's that scripture about loving God with all your being. A couple things in that passage I'd like to talk about. First of all, what does that mean to love Him with all of our heart, all of our mind, all of our strength? Okay, is it a passing thing? Is it a, a sometimes thing? Is it a part-time thing? No, it's all the time. Okay, that's what the command is, to love your God with everything you have. Okay, okay. So if we have something in our lives that we're holding back and it gets in the way of our loving God, we need to reassess that. That's a heart condition that we need to address, okay? Um, But love is often misunderstood. Now, because God is love, remember? Ruby read that in 1 John. God is love. Because God is love, who defines love? God does, okay? God defines love. Not us. We don't define it. Hollywood does not define it. Dr. Phil, Dr. Ruth, Dr. Oz, Dr. Who—I pick a doctor. They don't define love. Okay, God defines love. And that passage from 1 John, if you, if you get a chance to go back and look at that, and I would encourage you to do that too, you know, don't let Sunday morning be the only time you get into God's Word and, and, and see this kind of stuff. A lot of times after service, go back and read the stuff we talked about during the service. Because it may come back to you something different. Okay? Or you may get reminded of something else. But it's going to be fruitful. So if you go back and read that passage that Ruby read, um, you will see what God does to define love. And it's, it's complex. Where's another place that, that God talks about love? Famous, famous chapter in Corinthians 13. 1 Corinthians 13. It's the one that everybody reads at weddings. Okay? Love is kind. Love is, you know... Love is all these things. Okay, that's another place where he talks about it. Okay, so we need to understand what love is. So to understand what love is, we need to understand who God is. Okay, the more we know God, the better we know God. And how do we get to do that? Reading his word, fellowship, sharing with fellow believers, things like that. The more we know God, the more we understand what love is, the better we can apply that. The more we can actually love God. Okay, and uh, and he loved us in a very profound and powerful way, Um, but we also need to rely upon him as, uh, and again, you know, God is not just the source of love; God is love. So we need to rely on God in order for us to even love. We we can't even do it apart from God, at least do it right. So just keep that in mind. Okay, so God is love; we know that understand what that all means. Um, And then finally, so where's the evidence? How do we know when we're loving God? Anybody, Anybody have any ideas? How do you know? How do you know when it's happening? That's a tough one. It's a tough question. And the problem with that question is that it leads us back to what? Checklists. We start coming up with measurements that we say, okay, I know I'm loving God because I'm doing these things. Okay? It's kind of circular. I apologize if it sounds like I'm rambling. So, the question I have is, why do we need any evidence? Why do we need to prove to anybody that we're loving God? Do we? Do we need to prove to anybody? No. We don't. Okay? It's up to God. And God knows. Does God know if we love Him? You bet. You bet. So, He's the only one we need to prove anything to. So, really, we don't need evidence. It's, it's all between us and God. And he will be frank and forthright with you about your love for him. Okay? And just to prove that God knows, I have a scripture here from 1 Samuel 16, 7. Um, it says, But the Lord said to Samuel, Do not consider his appearance or his height, for I have rejected him. He's talking about choosing a king of Israel. Um, the Lord does not look at the things people look at People look at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. Okay? So, God knows what our love is like, if it's there or if it isn't. If it isn't, He knows. All right? Okay, so what about loving others? I've got essentially the same list here. God is love. What does it mean? Where is the evidence? Um, First of all, God is love. The same things apply because God doesn't change. All right? Because God doesn't change. Love doesn't change. So love we have for other people should be very much like the love we have for God. Right? Makes sense? It's a logical leap. Um, Every aspect of the laws that we talk about have to be um, derived from the truth that God is love. That's the truth that we always have to rely upon. Um, So what does it mean to love others? Um, First of all, does it mean that we're loving others if they feel good about how we treat them? Is that the definition of love? No. Um, is it is it love if we just, you know, give everything to others? You know, we're called to give to others in, in Scripture. That's a calling of us. But does that mean love? No. Okay, if we look back again at the verse that Ruby read, that's not how God defined love. But yet that's how we often translate it, right? That's, that's how we often consider it. That's often what we use as the evidence that we're loving other people, okay? Um, but the truth of the matter is we cannot love other people apart from God. Um, not truly, not in the way of love that God has de- designed for us. So the measure isn't do others feel good about how we're treating them. The test for whether we're loving others is, is God glorified? Okay, that is the ultimate test for anything that we do is God being glorified. That's our ultimate goal, the glory of God. Uh, And Jesus talks about that in his prayer right before uh, going to the Garden of Gethsemane. Okay, there there is definitely an element of obedience in our loving others. We need to do that. But the point, again, is a matter of priority. Okay, the priority shouldn't be the things we do. The priority should be the heart attitude. If our heart attitude towards others is not loving, then no matter what we do, it won't matter. Okay, so it's priorities. You've got to get your priorities right. Okay, and then one other kind of measure, if we must have one, because we are people, we like to have that, um, is Galatians 5:22 to 25. You know what that is? Fruit of the Spirit. Very good. Okay, and the fruit of the Spirit says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love. Hey, that's the first one. How about that? Love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Okay, I added that last little bit on there because it's relevant. Okay, Um, If we belong to Christ, we have crucified the flesh. Okay, we've set those priorities. All right, last one. So what? Okay, so what's the big deal? Now, this is supposed to have three little bullets on it, but they're not there. So use your imagination. I'll talk about it, okay? The first checklist, the first bullet on on the slide is, our checklist is short, okay? Remember how many we had? We had three items on our checklist. One, ditch the checklist. Two, love God. Three, love others. That's the extent of our checklist. Very short. Okay? Should be simple, right? Remember, we're trying to live by the Spirit and think. Okay? I I didn't talk much about that earlier on, but, but we are supposed to be thinking. We're supposed to be intellectually engaged with God. Okay, God is not somebody who's going to come in and take us over. The Holy Spirit is not going to come in, take us over, and turn us into robots doing whatever He wants us to do. Okay, we need to be thinking. We need to be engaged intellectually as well as spiritually with God. So, we want to live by the Spirit and think. Again, the Pharisees had very long lists, 613 checkboxes. Okay, how'd that work out for them? Right? Um... And and then the third point is that rather than living life mechanically, you know, following a set of rules, we need to instead uh, live our lives constantly assessing our relationships. Okay? It's relational. We need to constantly be assessing our relationships. Our relationship with God first, constantly assess that, and then our relationship with others. Now I'm, I'm here to tell you that loving others sounds easy, And frankly, sometimes it's easier to love others who are strangers than it is to love others who are very near and dear to us, like family members, okay, other Christians in our own church. Um, You know, sometimes it's easier to love a stranger than it is to love the people we know, okay? When you get to know people, you get to see all the warts and hairs and things like that, and we focus on that instead of focusing on what? The love, Okay, so we need to constantly be assessing our relationships. Okay, and then the last, or, or the second bullet was, um, it's impossible to accomplish. We can't do those checklists. We can't love God. We can't love others. Uh, we can't ditch the checklist. That we can do, but but the other two, we can't do ourselves. Okay, on our own, in our strength, in the flesh. We cannot do those things. We must do it with God moving through us by means of the Holy Spirit. That's the only way it can happen. People have tried. Um, we've had entire religions built around love that, you know, that, that sound real good, but it doesn't provide the rest of those fruits of the Spirit, the joy, the peace, the, uh, the forbearance, those kind of things. It doesn't provide all that. We can only accomplish loving God and loving others with God. We can't do it on our own. It requires the Holy Spirit moving in us. Okay? If we could, you know, I mean, if we could do all that stuff ourselves, there would be no need for God, right? So, there you go. Okay, He must increase, we must decrease. Anybody heard of that before? That is John 3, 27 to 30. I'll read that for you. It says, To this John replied, John the Baptist, this is uh, after he baptized Jesus, Uh, Some people were complaining to John about the fact that this Jesus guy was now baptizing when that was supposed to be John's gig, and they were all upset about it, and they go to John and say, hey, what do you think? John says, a person can receive only what is given them from heaven. You yourselves can testify that I said I am not the Messiah, but I am sent ahead of him. The bride belongs to the bridegroom. The friend who attends the bridegroom waits and listens for him and is full of joy when he hears the bridegroom's voice. That joy is mine. It is now complete. He must become greater. I must become less. And that is a good thing for us to remember. Okay? Christ must become greater. We must become less. It's not about us. Okay? When you see a lot of the strife in relationships, a lot of times it's because of self-centeredness. That's kind of what drives problems relationally. And if we can get over that and start to live by this checklist, which is impossible to do without God, then we'll see that those relationships thrive. Okay, and the final bullet there was that that's the point. Okay, the fact that it's impossible is the whole point. The whole point is that God wants us to be in a position that we acknowledge that, that we recognize that, that we know we can't do it, that we know that we're helpless. We know that we don't have the ability to accomplish just that short, Simple checklist. We can't even do that apart from God. And he wants us to come to that position of, of acknowledging it and recognizing it. Okay? It's the only way really to become godly and to be true disciples. I'll finish up with Ephesians 5, 1 and 2. It says, follow God's example, therefore, as dearly loved children, and walk in the way of love, just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. Okay, so that's what I have to say about checklists for Christian living. Okay, there really is just one. It's very short, very difficult to follow, especially if you look at doing it through your entire life. Okay, remember in that one scripture that I read to you before Joshua uh, and, uh, um, and the nation of Israel are going to cross over into, into uh, Canaan, They said that they should take those laws and teach them to their children and teach them to their children's children and teach them and talk about them when you're getting up and when you're lying down and when you're sitting and when you're doing this, when you're sewing, when you're cooking, when you're working, when you're doing presentations at work, when you're out in the woods hunting, when you're uh, playing with your kids, when you're, you know, scripture didn't list all those, but you get the point right? It's everything we do, every aspect of our life, every single part of it needs to be infused with this thinking that we need to love God and love others, okay? And you'll find that that as you do that, when you come to a challenging aspect of your life that uh, is perhaps a temptation or a sin that you've struggled with, if you've invited God into every aspect of your life, He will be right there with you and you will find the strength to, to beat that temptation back. Okay? All right. Let's close with prayer one more time. Heavenly Father, um, we thank you for for being our God. Uh, we praise you for the love that you have demonstrated for us through your son Jesus. We love you, Lord. We love you uh, with all our hearts and all our minds and all our strength. I pray, Lord, that that, that is in fact true and that we become more and more able to do that. We thank you, Father, that, uh, that you talk to us, that you teach us, you, you've given us your word to, to learn more about you and to understand who you are because we know you are love. And Father, I just pray that we can take these things that we, that we learn and apply them uh, throughout our lives across the board in everything that we say, do, think, and, and uh, accomplish. And we do it all, Lord, in your name.